Welcome back to the Willow Center Podcast. My name is Chase Cotton. I'm the community director here at the Willow Center in Brownsburg, Indiana, and I am your host along with my colleague. Hi, I'm Mason Christie, and I am the recovery empowerment coordinator here at the Willow Center in Brownsburg. And it is September, which is recovery month in the United States. We are so stoked to celebrate recovery and all that it means. And as part of our celebration, we're really happy to bring an old friend back to the podcast, Connor. Connor, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. My name's Connor. Uh, you know, a person in long-term recovery. Uh, my clean day, right, uh, January 23rd of 2021, so about two and a half years. That's incredible, man. That's, that's hard work, for yeah, real. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, not, not always easy. Yeah. So Connor was one of our earliest... Um, one of our earliest guests on the podcast back at way back in season one when this was just an idea that we were still getting used to and he was he was generous enough to come on and, and share some bits of his story um, and so if you want to hear some of the context of, of Connor's background and his experience in early recovery go ahead and go back and listen to that episode from season one but uh, we're gonna dive into some more specific discussion uh, as it relates to um, recovery over time since you've got you know a, a, a good bit of sobriety under your belt and living that recovery lifestyle day in and day out so let's just go ahead and dive in so uh, the first question I wrote down here for Connor um, is is how has the meaning of recovery changed for you over time like what does it mean now especially as compared to what it meant you know in the first year yeah it's definitely it's definitely changed a lot um, you know when I was going over this question and one of the first things I really do when people ask me, you know, to find what this word means, I almost always look up the definition first to yeah. see what, you know, Webster has to say about it. Right. And so I looked up the definition of recovery and it said a return to a normal state of health, mind or strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that what that meant to me in the beginning is definitely different than it means to me today. Yeah. So in the very beginning. I'm trying to get clean and my idea of recovery was that I wanted my life back and I put my life in quotations. Yeah, quote unquote life. Yeah, yeah. my life. Um, I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted that to be back to normal. But that word, that word's tricky for me, normal. What's mm. normal? And when I've come to learn that me really grasping for what my life was like where I thought it was good I look back now and I was you know I was always really you know I used the term sick right my thinkings my behaviors were sick my thinking was sick so not so much did I want to recover back to that right um but I I needed to recover from um the hopeless state of mind when I was in active addiction Mm. that's what I needed to recover because there was no there's no hope for me in active addiction right once once I pick up all bets are off. Um, I'm no longer, I'm no longer doing, you know, I'm no longer working on myself. I'm right. no, it, the recovery process completely ceases to exist for me because that becomes my solution to all my problems. So what I hear you saying is that like recovery, it's not about returning to whatever we define normal as in the past. It's, it's creating a new normal. Right. Exactly. Um, and I, I like that cause this is, I have found a, a completely new way to live my life a new way of thinking. And I say thinking because still my thoughts, my first thought is still, it's it's, it's still off, right? You know, I have that default setting. Right. Um, you know, I'd lived my life a, a certain way for a very long time. So even at two and a half years, I don't expect all that to be 
doesn't disappear. It just doesn't disappear. Yeah. So, yeah, I really appreciate that being in this recovery process that what it means to me now is that I, I have found a completely new way to live my life, uh, my behaviors, right? So my thoughts still, right, get a little trippy, but it's my behaviors and what I, you know, the, how I interact in my relationships and stuff, all that, I really think I've done a complete 180, yeah. a complete turnaround. And well, I, I almost get this distinction, right, that between normal and healthy right there's a maybe there was a normal way for you to live but then that's not the healthiest that's not the the way that's going to be the most fulfilling for you and so what does it look like to you know move into recovery what what steps are you taking to maintain this fulfillment and maintain this this life of recovery right now yeah so it's it's an every day right there's no days off in recovery Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me it's not just a slight switch that turns on and off. No, there's what I've what I've come to realize um, is the things that got me well in the beginning still serve their purpose today. Nice. I need to I need to continuously do the things um, because I like to get complacent and I'd like to be like, you know, when life is going my way and I'll put that in quotes too, right? Yeah, but. Right. When it seems to be going easily and there's not much strife or there's not, uh, you know, life hasn't shown up, so to speak, it, it seems to be, you know, it just goes easy. And But what I need to maintain is on a daily basis, you know, there's things that I do every day for my recovery. Um, I do daily meditations. Nice. You know, there's, there's a couple, there's some podcasts out here like this one. Yeah. And I, I love listening to recovery podcasts. Um, I make... I'm regular at three meetings a week still. That's great. I have, you know, I have a sponsor and I work 12, the 12-step program, nice. uh, Narcotics Anonymous. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a workshop with other uh, recovering men. Nice. We meet twice a week, twice a month. And we do, you know, it's not, it's not NA. We're all guys in NA. Yeah. But when we get to meet outside of the rooms, we, we get to add in a lot of other literature and a lot of, you know, we can... We can use AA literature, NA literature, just mental health stuff all to all in general. Yeah, that's great. Which has been so rewarding. We started that a few months back, and it's oh, so you guys started it like of your own accord. Yes, yeah. We it's actually at my, cool. it's at my sponsor's house, and we go that we go to his house. There's six of us, you know, and we we share our you know we sh we share our lives with each other and how we get through it. Good for you guys. That's yeah, awesome. It really is. It's that connection piece, you know, that's always so important in recovery. Um, you know, the connection that I have, you know, with other men, that's definitely something that's new to me. Yeah. Mike, to get intimate and vulnerable with another man is a lot different for me than it is, you know, maybe to get a little intimate and vulnerable with a female. Sure. Because it's like, there's a whole different, well, I guess, depending on your orientation, like there's a different ulterior motive, right? Yes. <laughs> it's like, right. I'm not getting to know you in order to date you right. or to romance you or to earn your trust. Well, it is earning trust, but it's a different type of trust. It's like yes. a lifelong bond, brotherhood mm -hmm. type of trust. Mm -hmm. That's just yeah, a different there experience is, altogether. I will, if I'm talking to a female that, in any in any sense, sometimes in the meetings, mm -hmm. um, I will share differently. Yeah. Knowing that, you know, just females being there, I just share differently when it comes to females and males. And yeah, it's, you don't want to give the wrong idea. Right, and I'm still trying to save right face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you, uh, in, in that context of like brotherhood and, and support, 
who do you feel has provided you like the most support in your recovery the past two and a half years? Like, what does that support look like from a practical standpoint? Like, if somebody's like, you know what, I think it's my turn to give back. Like, what has been most helpful for you on the receiving end of that? For me, I have I have a lot of support these days. Right in the in the beginning, initially, my biggest support was I was actually, which is a blessing in itself, and incredibly grateful for this. Was my ex wife. Yeah. So we, you know, we got a daughter together. So all she ever really wanted was for me to be well and be present and be able to be a father. So she gave me the time in the beginning um, where I can do a lot of things that was suggested of me, you know, in my 12 step program, right. you know, 90 meetings in 90 days. And I was, mm-hmm. she gave me that time. And then I was he- coming here, you know, I was coming here for six months and she just allowed me all that time to really focus, right? right? Focus on myself and really dive in and get a, a decent foundation. Yeah, that's huge. And then, so it between like her and my family, but my family's distant, they all live on the East Coast. Yeah. So, but her family has pretty much still adopted me in and nice. they're all supportive and they all just want to see me do well. And, um, and they support me by, uh, I really think just, you know, I get invited to Thanksgiving and Christmas and right. all the family, functions even though I'm not married to my ex-wife anymore yeah. and then I the day-to-day support that I get is is the stuff that and the people that I've met in my meetings in my 12-step groups right. I have done a way better time because at this two and a half years I had time before and I went yeah. back out what I've done this time is at all these meetings when I meet someone new I get their phone number and then I start reaching out nice. and then they reach back and you know it's just the recovery community for me is, is where I get my most support because yeah. there's nothing, nothing is like another addict helping another addict. Right. Like we just understand each other. We know where we're coming from. There's a lot of the other people in my life. They mean well and they want to support me, but I think it's, it's really hard for them to even fathom why I, you know, took the actions and choices that I did before getting into recovery. Sure. And I'm curious, you mentioned that you did 90 meetings in 90 days while you were coming here. And that is, it's a really big commitment to yourself. And I hear often from people in early recovery, um, oh, this is just, it's, I feel very selfish. I, I, I'm doing all this stuff for me. What about my family? For people, maybe who, for people who are married or early in relationships or, you know, just have like really strong family connections. Um, so for those people, I'm, I'm just curious, like how, how have you worked through um, that, 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 that train of thought that like, oh, this is a selfish thing for me? I, I, I appreciate that question because um, when I was in, when I checked into the recovery home, I had to leave, you know, leave my house. I had to leave my wife and my daughter yeah. and I checked into a recovery home. I had that. I remember sitting on the porch like that first day, having those thoughts. Yeah. Um, I was just, I was lucky that I, would, I picked up the phone. I called my sponsor, and I was like, "This doesn't feel right because I feel like I've abandoned the people in my life that need me." Right. Mm. But when, in all reality, the actual selfishness was staying in active addiction. Yeah. That's the real selfishness. Because when I'm when I'm using, I'm not present. You know, I may be physically present. Yeah, but like how much of you is actually there yeah, for those relationships? Like almost nothing because if I'm if I'm high then I might just be in a good mood. But then there's the worry 
what if I don't have enough for next time? Or where am I going to get the next one? And I'm not there when that train of thought is going on. I'm not present. I'm not, yeah, I'm not present at all because it is, it's all for me. That obsession is all consuming. Um, so really doing all these steps and taking the time that I needed to make myself better for my family was actually the least selfish thing I had done at that moment, I feel. So it's, I mean, I get that train of thought because it kind of feels that way. But after getting through that and looking back, it is, it is by far the most giving thing that I was able to do for my family. Yeah. And if you're unable to be healthy and you're unable to be the best version of yourself, you know, whatever that looks like for you, then you're unable to give all you can to your family or your friends or whoever needs you, right? Because you can't be fully present or fully loving or fully connected because there's this piece that's always that's always held back, right? There's a part of the house that's always shut off to them. Um which it, and that's and that can be tough and 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 they, people feel that right you can feel that and to be able and I, okay I'm going off script again the fun, <laughs> but Pulling yeah I can't help it and so um, you mentioned too opening up this new group with these with this NA community how has it been for you opening up that door and and getting regaining those connections now in recovery um so i just came back so this last weekend um there was an na function it was a camp out so we were all out at camp rotary from friday night to sunday morning um so i think this ties in really great with the question um, because you know all my friends i'd say 99 percent of everyone i hang out with nowadays are all in recovery yeah i have one or two friends from before that we're still friendly, um, but they respect my recovery. Um, When we do get together, you know, we get the kids together, they don't, they just respect me. They don't, they don't drink and use like addicts or alcoholics around me. But this last weekend I felt, I don't know, I had felt something I had never felt before. It was really awesome. Just the connection that I had with everyone at this camp out, you know, there was a hundred plus people and you feel it like, and especially at the, the big bonfire meeting at the end of the night, and then you do the hug circle and you know, you'll say the serenity prayer. There's this energy, wow. undeniable. Yeah, but it's just like buzzing. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. Can just, you can just feel it. So I've never had that before with any other group of people or friends, even like I had some of my family too. It's just a different, yeah. you know, you're, you're getting to know these people on this intimate, vulnerable level. And, you know, I was the whole weekend, I was able to laugh and cry and, you know, we're sharing stories and it's the, for me, the bond that I have with, uh, my recovery family is, is so tight. And it's, if, I mean, it fills my spirit all the time. Yeah. I love that. So I feel like I could kind of anticipate your answer to the next question, (laughs) but like, if you could summarize like the single greatest part about being in long-term recovery now, especially with like two and a half years of recent time, plus some time before that under your belt, like what would that single greatest part be? Um, for me, you know, I, I, the, my ability, and we were talking about that before, my ability to be present yeah, and not be completely always, you know, taken away from my mind. So when I am, you know, there was always a lot of things I wanted to be and wanted to do, but you know, me, when I'm in active addiction, my, my, my thing goes like, I will sacrifice what I really want for what I want right now. 
and I and I do that. I do that with a lot of things. There's still other areas of my life where that that creeps in. Sure. Um, but being present and you know emotionally, physically, when I'm with people that I love and I'm doing things with people that I love, I'm not thinking about I need to get out of here because I need to go cop or I'm starting to not feel well. So I'm not. I was never. I was never there. Yeah. I was never there. So I now I get to experience. I get to experience all these things in my life and feel legit emotions about it, you know, and, and everything. I mean, it, you know, the upside of recovery is you get to feel your feelings. The downside of recovery is you get to feel your feelings. I've never heard that one before. Yeah. No, that, that, that sounds, but that it's, sounds accurate. And it's great because I get to feel happy, you know, glad and joy. Yeah. Um, but I also get to feel sad. And, and for me, I feel like you can't, you can't have one without the other. And you can't experience any of that if you're not present. Right. So yeah, the being present is has been um, one of the greatest things, and you know, being able to maintain some sort of you know serenity in my life when it seems like the whole world is crazy. Right. You know, or my perception. For the of, record, the whole world is yeah. relatively crazy. <laughs> so I've I've you know I found a way to to maintain this you know an inner serenity when everything else seems like chaos and yeah yeah. That's awesome. I've got an unscripted question as well for him to throw at you. Um, as a, a dad myself, I'm curious, like, how has this period of long-term recovery uh, changed or, or well, I would guess improved your relationship with your kid? Um, it's, you know, a hundredfold. It has to be, you know. And, you know, she, my daughter's eight now. Okay. You know, so two and a half years ago, you know, not even six. Yeah. So she's come to realize and, it, and it's really cool. And, it you know, it helps this accountability in me, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, she she comes to meetings with me sometimes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, there's some meetings that have other kids that go and and she wants to go to meetings. Yeah. And she, you know, it has opened up that dialogue is, OK, why do you go to these meetings? Right. You know, I dumb it down some. She doesn't need to know everything. Sure. Um, but the gist of it is there's a group of people of us that had trouble with drugs and alcohol. And now we get together to you know, not use and do better in our life. Right. Um, and she, she understands that. And her, the look that she gives me is, you know, it's amazing sometimes because she'll tell me, she's like, you're just a great dad. And oh, there's wow. no way I would have ever got that if I was still using. She's proud of you. Man. Yeah. She, like legit, because she understands that, well, my dad doesn't drink or smoke. Yeah. You know, like she, when she says it, you can hear like, she's you a little proud. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, she's proud of me and I'm proud of her. And we just, it's it's brought us it's brought us together where active addiction would have completely tore us apart because yeah. one i wouldn't have been able to see her that wouldn't that wouldn't even have been my right anymore right so yeah it's awesome relationship in my life it's beautiful love it and you also get this opportunity to you know flip the, this narrative in her life if we're i mean if we're, i'm i'm gonna get deep for just a sec <laughs> but like you know scientifically speaking there is like this, there are genes in our brain and there's stuff we pass on, on to children. Right. And you can pass on, um, you can pass on addiction, whether that's through trauma or whether that's through just like chemical imbalances in the brain, but you can also pass on recovery and you can pass that on through the way that you act and the way that you parent and being open and honest about that connection and community and, and getting them involved in that. And so, it's beautiful to not only have your own recovery, 
but to pass that on to a daughter who you know if like you were just saying like if you didn't have that connection you didn't have that um you know relationship you know it could have been could have been worse for her right in a lot of different ways that yeah it's tough to think about i'm sure but <laughs> yeah because that does that that does play in because i've i come from i come from a family an addicted family yeah. it's it's all over the place so so you felt what it's like to be a kid in that yes situation. Yeah. yep so i think yeah like you're saying there's i have this opportunity to break the cycle when it like you're saying it comes to there's environmental factors and then there's the you know the physical factors right. of you know people being more prone to addiction or not but i get to at least right show her that there's another way yeah and i can kind of break that cycle love that and you're sowing those seeds as deeply as you possibly mm -hmm. can right those seeds sown in childhood are seeds that stay with you forever so kudos i think is what we're trying to say yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you yeah <laughs> and, and so i'm curious you, you're uh you're showing this lifestyle to your daughter, to these other people in your community, but for our listeners in particular, what advice would you give to someone right now who's still in active addiction? Um, you know, I remember I got this question last time too. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be too much different because uh, this is this is what always hits me because this is what my sponsor always tells me that that I want the best. I want the best for everyone people in active addiction and you know I, I i feel you know i feel that kinship to the still suffering addict and still suffering alcoholic because i know what that's like um that we no matter what no matter what we've done um no matter what we actually think of ourselves uh, we deserve the best um we do not have to be defined by our past you know i found a new way to live my life and i i'm forging a new path and um, that we deserve the best and we don't we don't need to live in shame and guilt all right if I'm talking to someone you do not have to live in shame and guilt and that there is help um, but the thing about the help um, when getting into recovery is you have to go after it you have to ask for it right there's there's a you know there's a lot of you know my first chances at recovery were a lot of nudges by the judges and my family wanting to get me into you know they wanted me but i wasn't i wasn't ready yeah it was when when i took that when i figured out how to surrender this idea that i'm gonna fix myself by myself or i'm gonna dig myself up out of this hole by myself yeah. when the reality was if i knew how to do that i would have done that a really long time before yeah. all this other stuff went down right. um so yeah just gotta muster up some courage you gotta ask for help you gotta reach out and you gotta want this thing um recovery isn't you know there's a lot of people that need recovery but the only people in my experience that are going to get it are the people that want it yeah Ooh. so you put yourself in those positions to want recovery you do it for me the more i do something and i see the benefit the more i want to do that something right yeah. so i keep going to meetings i, I keep working my recovery program and and I stay connected, so I want to do those things. Yeah. When I back off, I find the excuses not to do those things. So just staying active, staying in the middle, keeping myself in the good want. Advice. It's good advice, man. And I think that for people in active or for people you know not in active addiction, maybe what like what you're wanting, like okay, I want recovery, 
like for us it maybe can, can seem self-evident it can be like oh yeah we want um you know you want community you want connection you want you know whatever but for people in active addiction they don't even know what they're wanting it's just like i want recovery but everything i i want right now is being fulfilled you know that's what the drug tells you that's what the substance tells you so when you say you have to want recovery what i guess the final question here would be like what does that look like what what do you get in recovery that you can't get in active addiction or in your experience um well there's a lot i feel like there's a lot (laughs) this but i i get i get what you're trying to get at um in active addiction there's a lot of despair there's a lot of hopelessness there's it's just you know the day after day after day of copying or using or trying to find something to you know something from the outside to fix my insides which never seems to work yeah you know to get to that and, and I feel like it's different for everyone. And, I, you know, I don't use that term bottom because, right. you know, there's always another one, right. always another one. Right. Um, but to get to that one is you just, like accepting, you know, I always knew I was an addict. I always knew that, but there wasn't, I had no level of acceptance for it. Yeah. So I didn't even know. I didn't know I didn't want to not be an addict. I just thought that that's how I was going to be. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a lot of things happen in my life, um, and I really think my higher power has led me into recovery. Right. But that want for me was driven by pain, desperation, and just, you know, I felt like I had tried everything else possible, and recovery was it was the last it was the last house on the block. Right. But it was it was the house <laughs> that with I needed. The best painted with the best company. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's powerful, dude. Wow. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Really Thanks for having me. Back. This is great. I'm, if, if you don't follow us on Facebook, I'd encourage you to do, to do so just so you can see a video clip of this one to see the joy on this man's face because it's really infectious uh, and it's really inspiring. And we're proud of you, Connor. Thank you're, you. You're, uh, I appreciate it. And I appreciate, you know, I got my start here at the Willow Center and I'm always incredibly grateful. So I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to give back a little bit here. Yeah, dude, we love you. We love your story. Uh, so remember those words of encouragement from Connor. Um, this has been uh, episode eight of season three in celebration of Recovery Month. Uh, I've been your host, Chase. And I'm Mason. And next month, we're going to be diving into the topic of the connection between mental health and violence, or really the lack thereof, because oftentimes there is a lot of uh, misinformation about uh, violence in, in the community of those of us that are suffering from uh, mental health struggles. So we'll, we'll dive into that with a community partner. And we look forward to uh, you tuning in then. Until then, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and be well.